The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Vince. I do most of the Bible teaching around here and uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. Glad that all of you could join us. If you would, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses uh, 1 through 13 tonight. Uh, we're going to continue in our series. It's called The Way of Wisdom, and uh, we're walking verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. Now, we're, got, we're not going to tackle the whole book uh, right now at this time. We'll come back at later dates, and we'll take it piece by piece. Uh, as you're getting ready to turn there, I do want to let the folks know that are part of the church family here at Love City. Uh, we're going to be implementing uh, Zoom meetings for community groups. So as those come online in April, uh, we were off for March. We'll be back on in April. Uh, we're going to use that technology to still be able to gather for community groups. So hopefully your leader's already gotten a hold of you. If that hasn't happened, go ahead and you can reach out to them. But we're going to try to get all the info out to everybody. Uh, my understanding is you don't have to be a tech whiz to use it, and uh, that's good because I'm not, so excited about that. Okay, uh, we're going to study, as I said, the first 13 verses of chapter 4 today. Herein, uh, we're going to see Solomon instructing his children on the importance of wisdom and reminiscing about uh, the instruction that his own father, David, gave him when he was younger. Now, as is always the case when we know how to look, uh, we're going to see some particularly relevant principles and application to our current situation as we read these 13 verses. So I, I hope that you have found uh, Proverbs 4, and let's just go ahead and read that together, okay? Proverbs 4, 1 through 13, here we go. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching... Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded, and if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her. For she is your life. Praise God for his word. We're going to go back to verses 1 and 2. Now here in verses 1 and 2, we see a pivot from what we've encountered uh, more frequently throughout the last three Proverbs that we've studied. Oftentimes the instructor, the writer of the proverb, uh, will see them address a single child. But here we see it broadened to sons in plural. And what this does is it highlights a principle that we see strongly advocated for throughout the scriptures that it should be especially real for us 
right now. And the principle is this. Instruction in wisdom, life, and godliness is meant to be sourced primarily from parents to their children. Meaning that the home is the most important academy for these lessons. That's the principle. Now, I say it's especially real at this moment because people with children are, in many cases, spending a lot more time with them at home. And many parents have even become homeschool teachers, whether they wanted to or not. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if COVID-19 gets renamed the teacher appreciation virus when all of this is over and done. Uh, I assume I'm getting an amen both from parents and teachers on that one. Amen. Uh, But we need to consider there is a flip side to the coin of great schools and education systems, though. Uh, And this is also true for churches who strive to disciple children well and teach them how to follow Jesus. Sometimes what happens when there are professionals or people who seem more skilled or gifted, when those folks are investing in our kids, it can cause parents to kind of shift into neutral and let others take the primary role of instructing their children. And please understand, I'm not pointing this out to shame anybody or to overcorrect and say that having institutions like schools and churches with skilled and passionate people investing in our kids, that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's wonderful. But the point here is to acknowledge the the biblical position is that parents should intentionally take up the mantle as the primary influencers and teachers in our children's lives, especially when it comes to teaching them God's word and his ways. Amen. Now, I want to make sure I address those of you who have no biological children of your own. Please don't despair. There is plenty of room, as we've discussed in the past, for you to step in as gospel mothers and fathers, to look for families that are open to and and have the need for additional godly influence in the life of their children. And we actually see something in the text that points us that way. In verse 1 and 2, Solomon is asking for the attention of his sons, and he's calling them not to abandon his teaching. I think there's kind of an inherent acknowledgement in that. There there seems to be a natural resistance sometimes from children to the instruction of their parents. And having other godly influences and examples in their life can make a huge difference in their spiritual formation. Now, the, the principle of parents as primary instructors in the ways of God's wisdom is reinforced throughout the scriptures. But one of the most prominent places we see it is in Deuteronomy 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 18 for you. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Now it's interesting that before the command comes to teach our children the words of God, we are told to fix them in our hearts and minds first. And we see this play out uh, in the first two verses of Proverbs 4, right? Because 
First of all, uh, we see this confident call from Solomon to his sons. He says, my son, if you will receive, that's Proverbs 2. I'm looking at Proverbs 4. He says, it's very similar. He says, hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding, for I give you sound teaching. So, First of all, there's, there's a confidence in that as he's calling to his children uh, and he knows, he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you sound teaching. See, lots of parents, I think, shy away from the blessing and responsibility to train their children because they are insecure. Sometimes rightly, knowing that they have not taken the time or put in the effort to fill their own hearts and minds with the wisdom of God. And thus they cannot, with confidence, call their children to follow their instruction or their example. There is a well-known phenomenon of of people reaching adulthood, 18, 19, 20 years old, leaving the church, and then returning 10 or 15 years later when they have children of their own, oftentimes the rationale being they want their kids to be raised in the things of God or around the church. And and honestly, this well-known phenomenon, it highlights part of the problem that we're discussing because honestly, a a better model would be spending those 10 or 15 years growing in wisdom and godliness themselves before they have children (laughs) so they can take the primary role in teaching their children to follow Jesus and the church then can take its rightful place of helping them in that process. I think it's also worth noting, since we looked at these verses in Deuteronomy, and, and I'm going to say this, if, if you've been around uh, our gatherings here at Love City Church for child dedication, you've, you've heard this before, but what I read you about, you know, taking great care to take those commands, write them on our hearts, and, and teach them to our children, and write them on the doorposts, and on the gates, and talk about them when you're laying down, and when you're getting up, when you're walking along the road, in the house, all, everything he's talking about there, those commands, he, he summarizes those commands. Uh, We see that before what I read you was verses um, 18 through 21, but just before that in verse 13, there's a summary of the commands he's going to tell us to make sure we are having in our own heart and mind, but also teaching to our children. Here's the summary. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all your soul, the summary of the commands is to love our God with all of our heart and soul. And we see it again reiterated in verse 22, right after the verses. So what I just told you was right before the verses I gave you. This is right after. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to hold fast to him. Friends, here's what I'm getting after. We have an amazing opportunity to teach our kids through this time of quarantine just what it means to live out the greatest command to love God. I I thoroughly appreciate Brother Andrew's summary of the Proverbs a few weeks back when he defined wisdom as knowing how to live, practically knowing how to live out this command to love God. And, And we also, of course, have to keep in mind that Jesus taught us that the command to love God is inextricably connected to the command to love our neighbors because when the scribes and the Pharisees, they stood up and said, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so those those go together. Always, you can't pull them apart. Part of how we love God is to love people. I praise God for that. But we've got a great chance to show our kids what that's all about. We have a great chance to show our kids how 
Loving God, part of loving God is, is trusting God fully and completely in all situations. We have a great chance for instruction in this time. As we explain to them why our lives have been so dramatically interrupted in this time, we can explain to them that social distancing is a way to love our neighbors and that even though it's hard, it's worth it. We can teach them not only to pray for the visible needs within the walls of our own little homes, but to pray for the church family as a whole and our neighborhoods and our cities and our civic leaders. We can show them the practical application of wisdom as we seek to serve the needs of others in this time, actively looking for ways to help those around us and to be encouragers and and people of peace amidst all the worry and fear. We have perhaps one of the best opportunities to be the light and reflect the love of Jesus we will ever have in our lifetimes right now. And we simultaneously have one of the best opportunities we may ever have in our lifetime to train our children in the ways of God during this season. Now, as as I'm saying all that, I'm anticipating that some of you maybe are struggling with guilt at this moment because you know you've been less than perfect up to now in terms of teaching and modeling these things to your children. But friends, I want you to take heart because that means you have an opportunity to model repentance instead of rejecting conviction. You have a chance to model humility instead of pride and stubbornness to your kids. If you've been overcome with stress and anxiety over this situation and and you know you've not set a good example or you know that you've missed teaching opportunities thus far, tell your kids, repent to them and to Jesus and then go forward in the power of his spirit walking in the peace and love that he has called us to. Amen. Praise God. Let's now look uh, at verses 3 through 9 together. I'm going to read them again. I know we read them once, but let's remember. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commands and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Well, if some of the more seasoned among us, uh, and by that I mean older, it just sounds nicer if I say seasoned, but if some of the more seasoned among us, if you were feeling left out so far, uh, verses three through nine are your time to shine, okay? Even if your children are grown, your influence uh, in their lives, it's still important and it lives on through them, okay? The Bible's vision for training in wisdom and the ways of Jesus is a multi-generational vision. What that means is if God allows us more time to preach his glorious gospel on this earth, then hundreds of years from now, children should be receiving instruction that was passed down from us. And what that means is what we do or don't do, how serious we take this responsibility or not, is going to echo for generations. This matters a lot. 
Verses four through six, they alert us to an important truth. Wisdom can be acquired and then lost. Let's look together at the repetitive admonition that we see here. We see it saying, do not abandon. We see it saying, do not forget. And again, do not forsake. What this tells us is that acquiring wisdom is not only a process of growing into new areas of understanding, but clinging to the things that we have already seen and heard and understood. This is why God told his people in Deuteronomy to write his commands upon their hearts. They were, and we are, a forgetful people. Now, one piece of great news for us today is that Jesus promised after he died in our place for our sins and rose from the grave and then ascended to the Father, he promised us he would send us a helper and a teacher. He is the Holy Spirit, that helper, that teacher. And so for us, it is not just about memorizing the words of Scripture, though that's important. It's also learning to hear and to heed the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us not only to remember the benevolent commands of God, but to know what it looks like practically to walk them out in our everyday lives. God is so concerned with his people taking seriously the pursuit of wisdom, he has given us a specific promise to encourage us, but also to take away our excuses. I'm going to read from James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2, it says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, verse 7, let me just read that again, so make sure we're all on the same page. Verse 7 says this, The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring get wisdom understanding. What? The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all you're acquiring, get understanding? I mean, that could seem so basic and elementary that we would be tempted to assume it has no depth for us to ponder, but friends, it is quite the opposite. We have to come to an understanding. The beginning of wisdom is to know how desperately we need wisdom. And this is true no matter how wise you are or how wise you think you are. Let's do this. If you lack wisdom and you know it, raise your hand. Now, listen, I know it's weird. You're in your house, probably wearing the same pajama bottoms you were, you know, all day yesterday. But but seriously, here's what I want you to do. Raise your hand if you lack wisdom, okay? Now, if your hand isn't in the air... You really desperately need verse 7. Friends, the pursuit of wisdom is a lifelong endeavor. We all lack wisdom. None of us have come to the perfection of God's wisdom. And so we all need to understand we are in a place of needing more, of needing to grow in understanding and in wisdom. 
Verse 8 says we need to prize her and embrace her and receive from her the crown of beauty that only she can bestow. That's some beautiful language to drive home a really important point that should keep us in a place of humbly acknowledging our station. We need to always be capitalizing on this beautiful promise found in James that if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. We need to ask in faith, not doubting. But I want to be somebody that understands I need to be asking for God's wisdom every day. I hope you do too. I'm going to keep growing in these things. God has made wisdom a gift, just like the righteousness and salvation that comes by grace through faith in Christ. We are saved if we ask and receive it as a gift by faith. And according to James 1, what we just read, wisdom comes the same way. However, we must know that the means by which God gives wisdom are often, I'm not going to say sometimes, I'm going to say often, many times, maybe most of the time, not what we would expect. It is often through the process of obeying him in what you already know and trusting him through whatever comes that we grow in wisdom and understanding. Now, I'm not saying that God never gives illumination supernaturally all at once. He most certainly does. But even these beautiful encounters will have no meaning if the truth that we are awakened to through them is not taken and applied obediently to our lives. I've seen it happen, friends. I've seen people have precious encounters with God where he speaks to them and deals with them and encourages them or corrects them undeniably. And then a matter of days or weeks later, they're ignoring what it was that God showed them or taught them or corrected them about. It's heartbreaking for me as a pastor to watch. Imagine the heart of God. Basic things like actively participating in the life and mission of the church, having real relationships with open doors for encouragement and challenging one another, prayer and scripture reading. These are all means of grace and conduits that God uses for wisdom to flow into our minds and hearts. I think it's especially instructive for us that in 1 Kings chapter 3, God came to Solomon and asked, this is what God said, ask what you wish me to give you. Whoo! Talk about an encounter with God. And here's what Solomon basically said. I'm paraphrasing, but this was his basic answer. I'm like a little child. <laughs> give your servant an understanding heart to discern between good and evil. The Bible goes on to say that God was really pleased with that request. Of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, Solomon asked for wisdom and understanding, to be able to discern good and evil, to be able to be a faithful leader over God's people. My question for you is, if God came to you with that offer, ask what you wish me to give you, what would you ask for? Because this is a good test of how much you believe wisdom and understanding are to be sought more than anything else this world has to offer. And you might say, well, yeah, that's all great. Thank you for that you know, theoretical situation. But God hasn't come to me like that. And what I would say, respectfully, what I'd like to humbly submit to you is that you're wrong. 
because he has come to all of us like that. Let me read you this. This is 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we ask from him. Wow. Where does John come off making a bold statement like this? Where did he hear this? He's saying that if we come asking anything according to the will of God, that he hears us and that if he hears us in whatever we ask, that we're going to have that request. That sounds very much like ask of me what you wish. Does it not? So where did John get this? Is John just kind of getting out there, getting a little loose with his doctrine and theology? John heard this from the mouth of Jesus Christ, the incarnate one, God in the flesh, our master and Messiah, our savior and our king. If you go to John 14, 13, these are the words of Jesus. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I just threw verse 15 in there because it's a great reminder. Uh, we got a lot of people running around saying they love God, not willing to follow his commandments. Uh, and that's a bunch of hogwash. So there you go. But the, what I'm talking about here is, you know, we could, we could sit and, and really kind of feel left out that we didn't have an experience like Solomon, where God gets, you know, comes to him and says, ask me what you wish. Friends, we, we had Jesus Christ, the incarnate one, the eternal one, come to earth and say, those that you were following me by faith, those that you will pray in my name, I, I will grant you whatever you ask. And then James says specifically, it's like, it's like they gave us a cheat sheet here of how to get this done. Ask for wisdom and he will give it. We have the same, my point here is we have the same opportunity that Solomon had to come to God, ask for wisdom and know that he, we know we're, we know his will for, is for us to grow in wisdom and understanding. We know this. And so as we pray for wisdom, According to his will, we know that he hears us and we know that he'll answer. Praise God. I hope you're excited about that. I hope you are excited about the fact that you don't have to go figure out how to try to do this on your own, but that God, by the might of his hand and the, the, the absolute force of his sovereign will is going to work this in you. What he's looking for you is to desire it more than some of the other things we end up spending our energy chasing. Amen? Amen. That brings us to verse 10. I'm going to read that again. It says, Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. It's important for us to say this. Verse 10 is not a guarantee that walking in wisdom means we will live whatever amount of years we think is many. Okay? Very important we understand that. What verse 10 is saying, it's, it's more of a statement of the obvious truth that if you walk in the way of wisdom, your life won't be cut short or wasted by the consequences of living like a fool. Because if you live like a fool, there will be consequences. Either your life will be cut short or it'll be wasted. Neither of those are great options. Uh, but here we're being invited to walk this better way, the way of wisdom, God's way. Amen. And not only invited, but promised we're promised that he'll help us. And we get into that even more as we keep going. So let's look at verses 11 through 13. I've directed you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. 
Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. These verses bring us back to this ever-present imagery in the scriptures of a path. This is why we talk about walking in the way. That's why this sermon series is called The Way of Wisdom. Walking in the way of wisdom. And there's other similar language. That's because we see this woven throughout the scriptures. Proverbs, like the rest of the Bible, it can only be understood rightly when taken as a whole. Okay, so that means we interpret scripture with scripture. And no matter what we're reading, we keep in mind the single unfolding narrative from Genesis to Revelation. That, that narrative summarizes creation, sin, redemption, and then the consummation coming in God's eternal kingdom. Okay, so no matter what we're reading, we understand that it's, it's a part of this overall story God is telling from Genesis to Revelation. And so with this understanding in mind, I don't think it is at all inappropriate for us to look to the words of Jesus for the most full and comprehensive understanding of this pathway imagery that God uses to describe what following him faithfully looks like. We see it over and over again, that we're to walk in his ways and to follow the path of godliness and of wisdom. So what's the What's the full, like, bright light understanding of that? Let's read Jesus' words. This is John chapter 14, starting in verse 3. He says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Get this. Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, all of our seeking for wisdom, all of our growing in understanding, it places us on a single and narrow path. It's the way. Jesus calls it that. And that path leads to Him. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. An earlier proverb told us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowing who God is and who we are should lead us to one place. Bowed low before the glorious majesty of King Jesus the merciful, who knows us and loves us and with his blood paid the ransom required to save and to redeem us. And so... If you already belong to him because you have trusted in his grace by faith, then run, dear one, and keep running with bold confidence that by his strength you will not stumble. And if you don't belong to him this day, because thus far you've traveled the wide and winding path of self-reliance that leads ultimately to destruction, Friend, there is nothing stopping you from leaving your way and trusting Jesus right now. You say, how do I do that? It's not that you're going to strengthen your resolve. It's not that you're going to say, okay, I'm going to quit doing all the things that I know the Bible says God doesn't like. It's not that you're going to clean yourself up and then present yourself to God and get yourself clean enough. Dear friends, the Bible says clearly that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. This is not about how good or bad you are. None of us is worthy of the perfect, 
holiness of God. None of us is worthy to be in his presence. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short. We have all earned for ourselves damnation. That is what we have earned. But Jesus came and he took that punishment that we have all earned for ourselves upon himself. That's why he had to go to the cross. God is a just God. Somebody had to pay. And I'm just thankful we have a God who was willing to pay on our behalf. It's God who took the hit. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose from the grave. And what the Bible teaches is not that you have to clean yourself up and somehow then maybe God will accept you. The Bible teaches this. Will you trust him? Will you believe in that gospel message? Will you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the son of God, that he died on a cross in your place for your sins and that he rose from the grave? Will you believe what God has said, that trusting in him and in his finished work is going to be counted to you as righteousness, that you'll be made clean on Jesus' merits, not on your own? The question is, can you believe? It's not, can you do better? It's not, can you be perfect? We know the answer to those questions. On our own, we are going to stumble. We are going to trip. We are going to fall continually. We are weak and frail and forgetful. But with God's help, with God coming and doing all that is necessary, we can be saved. And he will help us and carry us along this path to walk his way. That is the message of all the scriptures. That's what, it's, that's what it's leading us to. The way of wisdom leads to Jesus, the wisest and the best. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Wisdom is about seeking God, obeying God. That is what true wisdom looks like. Amen. Praise God. May God's children run and not grow weary. And may those who are weary from running their own way Come to him today and find rest. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Proverbs 4. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that it reveals. Thank you that it helps us know more about us and and more about you. God, We need your help. Lord, please help us to realize how much we need wisdom every single day, minute by minute. God, help us to stay in a posture of humility, knowing that we need a greater measure of your wisdom. Jesus, you said that you're the vine and we're the branches, and apart from you, we can do nothing. Help us believe that. Help us really believe that. God, forgive us for trying to do things in our own strength both those who have come to you by faith and those who haven't. That, that is our perennial struggle. That is, the, the, that is the vomit we always go back to. Another proverb talks about it. To return to sin is like a dog to its vomit. It's that self-reliance. It's that self-determination. It's that desire to be autonomous, to be our own king. But Lord, we know we are not good kings. You're a good king. Help us to be faithful servants. Help us, God, to... Be passionate about spreading the hope and the good news that you are for people and not against them, that your desire is that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that all would come to faith. Thank you, Lord, that you're not slow as some count slowness. You're patient, willing that none should perish. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that we read today, that you hear our prayers. And when we pray according to your will, that we will have what we've asked. 
Lord, please continue the process of shaping our will so that it is more in line with yours. We, we've done enough of things our own way. We've tried that. We know it doesn't work. We know it leads to destruction and heartbreak and pain. Lord, we see the beauty in yielding to your way. We see the beauty in running hard along that narrow straight path that leads to you. God, help us. Help us to run that race with, with passion and with perseverance. And God, help us to invite as many people as possible along the way. Lord, I pray for parents right now. Lord, it's difficult. Uh, dynamics have changed. The situation has gotten confusing. We're, we're having to deal with situations we haven't had to in the past. And Lord, all of us want to honor you with parenting. We want to raise our children well. We want to wear correctly that mantle and responsibility of being the primary influencers in their life. We know our home is meant to be that, that academy, that primary academy of teaching children wisdom in the ways of godliness. Lord, help us to do that in word and in deed. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short. And just please help us, empower us by your Holy Spirit. We know, we know we can't do this on our own. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength and your sustaining power, your grace poured out upon us. We love you and we magnify you and we exalt you. And we delight, Lord, in the truth of your word tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.